Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I am here with Marissa Hendrickson, and she's going to be talking about spirituality and trauma work. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you on your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life magazine and the Brain Health magazine. I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is Marissa Hendrickson, and she is a licensed mental health counselor in Washington State. She provides therapy to people struggling with unresolved trauma from a spiritual or shamanic standpoint. Marissa views all mental health concerns to be stemming from trauma and helps people identify and work through internal programming that is causing distress. She is also trained in depth hypnosis, a combination of shamanism, Buddhism, and regression work that she uses to guide people through process work to address specific concerns about blocks. She hopes to reach more people with this modality outside of the confines of traditional counseling. Welcome to the podcast, Marissa. So happy to have you here. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. I am excited to dive into this topic today. I think, you know, trauma is just something that isn't necessarily talked about enough. And I think people don't realize how much trauma they're holding on to. And, you know, we can hold it within our physical body. And over time, if you don't release that trauma or address it or acknowledge it, right? Like we're really good at shoving our feelings down. Um, it can really lead to long-term health effects. So I'm really thrilled to hear what you have to say today. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my spiritual teachers taught us how if we're not very good at listening to our intuition, then that's when you have um, thoughts or emotions, right? And then your emotions, you're sad, you're depressed, you're anxious, um, try to tell you something. And then if you ignore your emotions, right, you have all these thoughts about anxiety and control. And, and when you ignore the thoughts, then it moves into your body, right? So it's like this, this pathway from the spiritual to the physical, and then you get symptoms in your body, right? You have indigestion, you have headaches, you have chronic pain and fatigue, um, because you haven't been listening to the highest level of information on the subtle plane. So, you know, when people work through their trauma, ideally we get really good at tuning into all the small cues. So we don't need to have physical pain in order to make a change or know something's wrong in our environment. We can just have that subtle intuition of this doesn't feel good. This isn't right. I'm going to do something different. So that's one of the main things I try to teach people when we're working on trauma. But the other thing you brought up is people not realizing that they have trauma. So we talk about big T trauma and little T trauma, right? So mm, big T trauma, mm -hmm. you're like, I was abused as a child. I witnessed a horrific accident, things like that. And if you don't have that, I, if you're like, I wasn't in war, then people think, well, I didn't have trauma. But little T trauma is your mom was critical to you your whole life growing up. 
um, your dad was absent, um, you were bullied at school, right? Mm -hmm. It can just be things that maybe you think are normal or smaller. And just because it's normal, quote unquote, just Mm -hmm. happens to people, doesn't make it okay. And doesn't mean it doesn't cause long-term issues. So the modality that I use in a therapeutic setting is called internal family systems. And internal family systems is based off of family systems theory, which we know that our family are the people around us, mom, dad, siblings, whoever is raising you. And when we internalize what we hear in our environment, we create an internal family. So these voices in your head that are so critical and mean and full of anxiety, all of these different parts of ourself are often based off of people in our environment. And then they become our, what um, the founder Richard Swartz calls protectors. So you learn, um, one of the things that he mentioned is when someone's being abused, there's a part inside of us that looks in the room and says, who's the strongest person in this room? And it's usually the abuser. And they're like, okay, I need to be like that person to keep myself safe. So now you have this voice in your head that whenever you want to take a risk, they're like, no, you're pathetic. No one likes you. It's not going to work out. And it hurts, but you th- that part is trying to keep you safe because it thinks if I belittle this person, then they won't take the risk and be hurt by the outside world. So when we develop these traits as children, um, they kind of function as a child. You know, you're trying, you don't know the world and you're creating these belief structures to stay safe. Um, but 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, we are actually still operating off of a belief structure we may have formed when we were four years old. Right. And we never identified it and we never challenged it. Um, and that is where um, we see maladaptive behaviors. And that's what I do with clients is we point out this response that you're having, you're not having it as an adult at your age. You're becoming a four-year-old when you're triggered in that way that's familiar to something that happened decades ago. Right. And you're no longer in control of your experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's so powerful. I think that that's probably going to resonate for some people listening. And, and, you know, I recently read a really great article that kind of broke down, you know, like if your mom wasn't around when you were little as an adult, it, you know, shows itself as this, or, mm-hmm. you know, if you were, um, told you weren't good enough as a child, it manifests as this. And it was like, wow. Like, cause like I could identify that in, in myself and also some, you know, some of the people close to me, I could, I could really identify that. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about. You know, it's these little traumas that, we just assumed we're normal because we were a kid and, and we haven't been taught any better. And even if we are taught better as an adult, we might still not make that connection from when we were a small child to behaviors that we have today. Right. Definitely. Um, you know, they say, if you ever say, well, a part of me feels this way and a part of me feels that way, you're already doing parts work. And as much as you can be like, like you said, you'll develop that awareness. Oh, I do have that critical self-talk. I do have that negative perspective. Um, Something we sometimes ask our clients to do is, well, how old do you feel in that moment? 
And if you really actually ask that question, you recognize, I don't feel my age. Even if you can't pinpoint the exact age, you often are like, I do feel younger when I'm having this response, when I'm thinking about this pattern in my relationship, I don't feel like I am 20, 30, 40, 50 plus years old. Um, So that can be really helpful to people to start identifying with, wow, right now, this is not me. This is a part of me, um, but it's not my present day self. And what I love about this modality when I learned it is that there is a belief that we can all heal from it. We can all um, get better. So there's everything I just described is kind of the lay of the land, right? Understanding who you are and starting to figure out what your parts are the critical part, the judgmental part, the insecure part, whatever, the confident part, like there are good parts too. And then there's what we call like the core self, capital S self. Um, You know, people call it your higher self, your intuition, your wise mind, whatever. Um, And there are certain characteristics, confidence, creativity, calm that are associated with the self energy, um, but it's often blocked by our parts. So what we do in a process when we're doing the internal family systems work is you identify which part is activated by um, your boss, your coworker, your partner in your relationship, whatever the issue you're coming in that you're struggling with. And then we can go into, it's kind of like a meditative state where you identify the part, you kind of externalize it, you get to know it because we have to build trust and safety. The other thing I love about this modality is Um, Some people are worried, what if I'm not ready to see my trauma yet? Well, your body and your mind only show you what you're ready for. I'm not in control. I'm not forcing you to go anywhere. And we know that your internal system will know what's best for you and they won't push you anywhere you're not ready for. So we build this trust with the parts. And then when we move past this first layer of protector, that's when we find the trauma usually itself, which is like, the younger part. So you see a version of yourself that's very little. And we do a healing process over that experience where, like you said, if your mom was absent, then um, you from your capital S self, which we've reached by now through moving the parts aside. So another great thing about this is people learn what it feels like to be in self energy, to have all of their power and to feel you know, calm and centered and compassionate. And then from that place, they look at their younger version of themselves. And we say, well, what does that person, that child need? You know, do they need a hug? Do they need to be told they're good enough? Do they need to know they're loved? And that's the reparenting that's very common in therapy with inner child work nowadays. You're reparenting that young part of yourself and giving it what it was missing. And it really spontaneously heals a lot of people. They instantly feel better because the emotional response they were having in their personal life, in their relationship, was this young child crying out for help. And when that young child is soothed, you don't feel that tension anymore because it wasn't about the person today in your life. Mm -hmm. It was about mom being gone. And then the next part of where this, in my opinion, merges with spirituality is that if you're familiar with the shamanic soul retrieval, it is when you have a traumatic experience, a piece of your soul breaks off to protect itself. And then in the soul retrieval, you bring it back. And that is actually part of the internal family systems process is when you've healed this younger part, you bring it into your heart space, which is basically a soul retrieval. So what I love about this is I'm like, I am guiding people through their 
own soul retrieval. I'm not the shaman having a vision and doing it for you and um, just telling you you're healed and the part has come back. You're in the vision yourself and you're feeling the experience and you see, you know exactly what soul part you're connecting with that child and you know exactly what it feels like to bring it into your heart. And then when you can do the integration work, which is the most important part, important part, the homework that I always tell people is for the next few days or weeks after you just remember that feeling in your heart and visualize that young kid and you just check in and make sure that they're still feeling all right. Um, And so that's why I think that this modality really is a spiritual practice because it merges with so many other techniques, like you mentioned um, in my bio that I did a training in depth hypnosis because I knew that that was very similar to internal family systems, but it approaches it from um, the shamanistic and Buddhist perspective. So it's coming from the spiritual realm and I was already working from the psychological realm and I knew that we were doing spiritual work. So I wanted to see the other side and um, it was very helpful, you know, depth hypnosis, if you're familiar with hypnotherapy um, and age regression, again, that is almost what we're doing in internal family systems is an age regression, um, which is like a past life regression. Also, you know, this, these spiritual terms, hypnotherapy terms, people may have heard of. Um, and so they also do this age regression and then they also, um, heal the child. It's all inner child work, you know, at the end of the day, and then they do the integration, um, which again, because that they directly are coming from a shamanic lens, are viewing it more as that soul retrieval. You know, and you talk in your bio about how you feel a lot of mental health is actually unresolved trauma. And, you know, I've done a lot of work in the brain injury community and I see it over and over and over again, that people with a brain injury get written off as having mental health issues. And it's like, no, they have a brain injury. They need help. They need, they need treatment. Um, and then, you know, long-term brain injury can lead to PTSD and obviously trauma, um, from however, you know, it occurred plus trauma from the medical system, gaslighting you, um, Mm -hmm. for years. And so maybe talk a little bit about, um, how, how you feel trauma and mental health are so intersected. Yeah. So, you know, when I went to graduate school, the paradigm shift or like even before graduate school and undergrad was trying to destigmatize mental health and, um, reduce the use of labels. That was really something when I was being trained that, um, instead of just labeling people, um, borderline bipolar, major depressive disorder, and being like, you have this, this is who you are and you'll have it forever. Um, there was the big paradigm shift of, we don't need labels for people. Like I like to see you may be experiencing depression at this time, right? Because it's simply a list of symptoms that today you say, yes, I have that symptom, but what if tomorrow you don't say, yes, I have that symptom. That doesn't mean that you still quote unquote have depression. So that, that was my first and like narrative therapy is very into this. Like, what is your story? Not what defines you, um, and changing your story. But that was my first, uh, as I entered the field, how I viewed mental health. And then the more I worked with people, 
every single person I met from my perspective had trauma. You know, all of my clients would come in and they'd say they had anxiety and they say that had depression and that's what they want to address. And then we'd talk and I'd say, well, you have generational trauma, you have childhood trauma, you have abandonment issues. Um, and I was like, that's what we're going to address because us saying, well, you have anxiety. So what's a coping skill to get you through with that is not going to change your life. It's not going to free you. Um, but getting to the root of the issue and understanding that anxiety and depression, like I said, in the beginning are your body's way of communicating with you that you don't feel safe in the world. Mm -hmm. something's not Right. Um, so instead we find out, well, where does that belief come from? What happened to you, which is a book, what happened to you? It's a very good trauma book I've heard, um, that, um, we can shift those beliefs and those feelings of, again, the young child that's asking for help and support. And then the symptoms of anxiety and depression can reduce. And it doesn't mean you'll never feel anxious or depressed. You know, this is another um, soapbox I'm really into right now is feelings are not bad and we should all be allowed to have them. You know, if mm -hmm. someone like gets you in a fender bender and you're angry, you are allowed to feel angry in that moment, right? It doesn't make you a bad person. You shouldn't put a cap on it, um, but you should acknowledge that you're mad in that moment, not necessarily at the other person, at the circumstance, feel a little bit angry. And then when you felt it, it can, you know, you can let it go and move forward. And so the same thing with depression and anxiety, you know, if you're in a difficult place in your life, you're really wanting to change your job, someone passed away, you're going to feel sad and that's normal. And you should feel those feelings, but then also look at if this is my body communicating with me that I'm not feeling very good, what can I do to support my body um, so that I can start feeling better? You know, I'm, I don't like my job. Okay. You know, that's the other thing. So many clients come in and we immediately know why they're having their symptoms. It's usually work or their relationship, right? But they don't want to leave those things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well... <laughs> it's not that you have a problem. It's not that we need to get rid of your anxiety or depression because if you're still in the same environment, you're still going to have the same feeling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. If you stay in that same environment, you're going to constantly have the same reaction to it. Um, and yeah, I, I think those, you just really hit that. Those are and on a previous podcast I was doing, we we're talking about, you know, like, you know, that certain foods you shouldn't be eating them, but you don't want to change your diet because you like that food, yes. but yet you still have to struggle with the consequences. It's, it's such a similar concept. For sure. It's very um, hard. Um, cause you can't just tell people, well, you got to cut that out. You got to quit mm -hmm. that. And again, that's where I like, you know, I wouldn't tell someone, well, I do. I'm pretty direct. I'll pretty much be like, we, you, I'm like, you're aware, right? Your job is the problem more than saying you need to quit your job. And then we'll work at, you know, what's going on that's keeping you from leaving this unhealthy situation, whether it's relationship with food or relationship with the person. And again, we'll look for the roots, you know, the scarcity, the fear, the anxiety, the comfort, and hopefully we can just heal that. And then you won't feel whatever is keeping you in that place it won't feel scary to make that change because you don't need it in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And you were talking earlier about, you know, it's okay to feel the feelings. And I know particularly my age group, um, I think it's gotten a little better um, with the younger generations growing up, but 
we were taught, like, you just don't express your feelings. <laughs> you just mm-hmm. stay quiet and you don't talk about it. And, you know, that's hard to overcome as well. And learning how to express your feelings and like how to express them in a healthy way too. Right. Like you said, yes, you might be angry. You just got in an accident, but you're not necessarily mad at the other person. Like don't, you know, you don't have to take it out on them. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, just so many other, other situations. Um, it is, it's important to feel the feels. (laughs) I love that you brought that up because something I've been really harping my clients on lately um, is there's this exercise called trauma releasing exercises, TRE, and it's a um, process of tiring your muscles enough that you can shake, like your body begins Mm. to tremor, which is how the body physiologically releases stored trauma. And so the founder of TRE, he worked with war victims and he was witnessing, um, you know, locals in an area that was being bombed and the children were sitting on the parents' laps laps, and they were just shaking, right? Because they're scared, right? Um, And as soon as the bombing stopped, the kids got up and ran off and played because their body was handling in the moment, like dogs shake during lightning and thunder. Their body is letting out the trauma in the moment. And then the parents were like holding their fists clenched, being very, like you said, don't express, don't have feelings, be stoic and strong for the kids. But that's actually then those people developed PTSD Mm, because you're repressing. It's the, like you said, the repressing of the feelings that creates the problems. So um, he came up with a physical technique that I actually learned in yoga studios. Um, Some studios have um, facilitators that will do this. Um, this routine, which again, you can also look up like on YouTube and follow the videos of just helping your body learn to shake. So like I help people on more of a mental and internal spiritual level release stored trauma, but pairing that with a physical practice that is releasing because it is stored on a physical level. It is in the body. Um, when you don't express yourself, when you don't feel, or you don't shake, then you hold on to all of that material. Even I always tell my clients, tears are a biological process, right? If you needed to pee, would you go? You would, right? It's liquid leaving the body. It's getting toxins out because that's a process that needs to happen. So why just because we leak on our face, um, do we stop a physiological process that the body knows will heal? And I recently read that tears release cortisol. So it's like, this is your body's way of healing and taking care of itself. And for some reason, we've decided that it's unacceptable to have a bodily function that is natural and healing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And that's really, I, I had heard that story before, but I had forgotten it um, about the children that were shaking yeah. and then the parents that were just like holding holding it all in to be strong for their children. And I think that's such an incredible analogy, right. Of, of what we do as a society. And, and again, I do think it's shifting and changing. Like, I think we're allowing ourselves, it's becoming more socially acceptable Mm -hmm. to share your feelings. And, you know, I've seen people have breakdowns in the grocery store, especially, you know, during COVID we're in the heightened, heightened stress level to begin with. And, um, you know, that's why it's like, you know, just, just be kind. You just never know what somebody else is going through. And if somebody's screaming at you, it's 
probably not you. Mm-hmm. It's them, right? Like yeah. 90% of the time it's, it's something that they're going through. Yeah. So something I, I try to teach people a lot because I really want to empower people. I want you to be, and this is a shamanic thing, power retrieval. So again, like if your mom was critical to your whole life, she's siphoning out your power. And so we want to rebuild your power structures. And part of being full of your own power is understanding that all of your responses belong to you and everyone else's responses belong to them. So even if you hit someone's car and someone is yelling at you for hitting the car, it's still not your fault because that response still belongs to the other person. And I have the perfect example of this. When I was younger, I hit someone's brand new truck (laughs) straight Mm. through an intersection and they just bought the truck because they told me this later. And so I, you know, I see this woman running towards me. I'm like, she's going to be so mad, right? She's like, are you okay? And she just Mm. wanted to check in and make sure that I was okay. I was completely at fault, but her response, and this is why I tell people it doesn't, you know, if she was angry, she'd be allowed to be angry, but it doesn't have to be at me. Um, but her response was just of such love. She even sent me a thank you card later. Oh, wow. And it's just like, you would never expect that. So that's why I always tell people, no matter what you did, the other person's response belongs to them because if they were healthy and secure and feeling whole, as you said, they would see that what you're going through belongs to you. And it it didn't mean anything about them. And they'd, if anything, have empathy and compassion, like, I'm sorry, that person's so frustrated. I'm sorry, that person's so upset. They must be going through a hard time. We never have to respond in a negative way towards other people. So that's a big thing, just knowing everything I'm feeling. If I'm angry and I think I'm angry at the other person, know that anger, who does it belong? Who exists? Who's having the feeling? Who's having the problem? Me. I'm having the problem. And if someone comes up to me and they're like, I dislike you, well, who's having the problem? Well, they're having the problem, right? So I don't need to change and I'm not bad, Um, but I can acknowledge that they're having an experience and try to be like, hey, I see you're having an experience. Is there something you'd like to talk about, right? Can I help you? Um, Or I can remove myself from the situation if it appears that I can't help them. But it really, yeah, it's, it's other people's feelings belong to them our feelings belong to us and it's never their fault or our fault. It's just Mm -hmm. life happening. Yeah. Such a beautiful reminder. Well, Marissa, I want to make sure we take a moment to mention your website. It's marissahendrickson.com and wherever you are listening, you can click through in the show notes to find um, the clickable link, but tell us a little bit, Marissa, about what they can find there and how to work with you. Yeah. So on my website, I describe um, some of the things I talked about today, uh, the process of internal family systems work, um, my views on spirituality, how I would like to help people to empower themselves, particularly, you know, if you think you're intuitive, if you think you're spiritual, if you're like, I just know things sometimes, or, um, I have these dreams or some people are like, I've never told anyone this because they would think I'm crazy. (laughs) I love that. You're not crazy. Um, and so I describe a lot of that stuff on my site. Um, but what I'm trying to do is because I have been a licensed therapist for several years, um, but I want to kind of expand. I find that process work um, 
and spirituality can be really helpful to people. And you don't necessarily need to talk to someone every week and just complain about your week. Maybe once a quarter, every couple months, or just in the moment, you know, you just saw your mom and you're feeling upset. You might just need a session right then to address that feeling that's come up. And then once you've addressed it, um, you're okay for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, right? Or sometimes people just need like traditional soul retrievals are kind of one and done sometimes. Right. So um, I am trying to work more with people outside of the traditional therapy setting. Um, as a licensed therapist in Washington, I do licensed therapy for people in Washington. Um, but anyone else outside of that, we can do these spiritual sessions um, focusing on the depth of gnosis, doing a process. Um, I really enjoy something a friend coined intuitive problem solving, mm, where like when people ask me questions, I just get an insight. You know, I just, I just kind of have an idea of how this is going to go. Um, I'm very intuitive in that way. And I'm very creative. Like my mind, someone says, you know, I have to quit my or do this thing. And there's only two options. I see like dozens of options. My brain can't help, but think of all of the options. And so I really love helping people with that. You know, if, if you feel like you're at a roadblock, you're not sure what to do. Um, you just need someone to talk to a different perspective. I'm really trying to open up to getting, um, more people that I can just help again, when they need it, you know, when you have a problem, again, you don't need to see someone every single week and just say, well, the mailman was late this week. You know, maybe you just, when you're upset, you reach out for help. And I want to help people in that way. And that's something I just really enjoy doing. And I feel the energy is a lot better because you're coming in with energy. You're excited you have a problem. There's something for us to work with in the moment. And that gives me a lot of energy versus, um, sometimes if it's just like, Oh, on my schedule again, there's that appointment and you don't always need the session. There's less like, I can't help people if they don't need help. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to work with people who need help. Wonderful. Well, Marissa, thank you so much for being here today. This has been such a lovely conversation. Yes. Thank you for having me. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you are listening to help others on their own wellness journey, discover this podcast. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting it through a membership on Patreon for just $5 a month, which is about the cost of a cup of coffee. You can find that at patreon.com slash Amy Zalmer. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you in the next episode.